Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Come on in. Pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are thrilled to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cameron Clutter is our steadfast barista. And this morning, we continue our Advent Reflections Rejoice Advent Meditations with the Holy Family. And then at about 8.15, Jason Mays, the Communications Director for the Diocese, will join us. And later in the hour, Cara Day, the youth minister at St. Brendan the Navigator, will share with us an upcoming mission trip that she's helping to lead to Cranks Creek, Kentucky. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. Gaudete! Gaudete! We're there. (laughs) Can you start us with a prayer? Yeah. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you for your goodness, for your blessings, for your love, and especially how you're working in each and every one of our hearts. We ask that you give us hearts that are open to drawing closer to you, to rejoice even when it is difficult for us to rejoice because in you there is always something to rejoice in, that you work all things for our good. Help us to remember that and to instill that into our hearts, always keeping our eyes on you and never wavering. We ask for all of these graces for you to just be present, ever present to us in our day. Remind us of your presence to us always. Help us to draw closer to Our Lady. So we pray this through her intercession. And in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. We have our first winter weather advisory of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I learned something today. What, what's, what was that word? Squall. 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 <laughs> Never heard of it. Yeah. I'm now, now that I live in Ohio, I'm glad I know these things. You may actually experience it also. <laughs> Knowing nervous. it is one thing. Experiencing <laughs> it is another. Right. So. <laughs> something to look forward to, I suppose. Yeah, as far as winter weather advisories go, I think this one's a nice small introduction to the winter weather season here. <laughs> so, an inch or two, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I can we'll do see. that. <laughs> Be careful out there. How was your weekend? It was quite lovely. I had the opportunity to gather with a, a couple gals to do a, a tamale night. So that was a lot of fun. Um, Actually, I have a friend who was just sharing how she loves to host, but maybe doesn't have enough space to invite many in. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of one of the families invited us to come do it at their house, which was just, yeah, so inviting and so lovely. And and she's an amazing cook. So she taught us how to make tamales. Fantastic. Yeah. A nice evening of fellowship. It really was. We had one of my daughter Abby's cheesecake creations. Yeah. She made a cheesecake for Katie's birthday. It was a shortbread sugar cookie-ish. Wow. With little chunks in in the cheesecake. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds awesome. (laughs) It was was pretty good. 
Yeah, yeah. I love it when Abby makes cheesecakes. <laughs> so, and you know what else uh, has begun this season? The O-Antiphons. That's right. Yeah, so friends, this is uh, a tradition that goes back at least to the 8th century in the uh, in the Roman church. Uh, there are antiphons that accompany the Magnificat canticle in evening prayer, uh, starting on December 17th and ending on December 23rd. And just a beautiful little uh, reflections, you know, antiphons to um, proclaim the coming Christ as the fulfillment not only of the Old Testament hopes, but uh, present ones as well. And I like in each of the antiphons, it uses the imperative, come, mm. you know, come Lord Jesus. So last evening, uh, this, uh, December 17th, it was, O wisdom of our God most high, guiding creation with power and love, come to teach us the path of knowledge. And then this evening? This evening is, O leader of the house of Israel giver of the law of Moses on Sinai, come to rescue us with your mighty power. Amen. And we continue our Advent reflections from Rejoice Advent Meditations with the Holy Family from Father Mark Toops. And here we are, the third week of Advent, Monday. And this week we're focusing on Mary's love, especially Mary's love for Joseph. So Cameron, can you start us? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Father Mark writes, As we saw yesterday, this week we'll intentionally peer into what was in Joseph's heart and then ask, how did Mary love him? Again, we ask ourselves, what was in Joseph's heart? Joseph's life was rerouted by the Annunciation and Mary's conception of Jesus. When his life was rerouted, Joseph did not know where this new path would take him. However, because of the man that he was, Joseph did know where to take his heart. In fact, throughout the entire Advent story, Joseph teaches us where to go when life throws us a curveball. When Joseph dealt with the surprise of Mary's conception, he knew where to go with his emotions. When Joseph dealt with the unexpected news of the census, which required him to go to the town of his ancestors, that is Bethlehem, he knew where to go with his questions. When Joseph felt the rejection in Bethlehem and was left with nowhere for Mary to give birth, Joseph knew where to go with his fear. When we are rerouted in life, it is important for us to know where to go with our hearts. We have to turn to God. If not, we may be tempted to try to medicate or numb our emotions. We may be tempted to isolate ourselves and try to fix things on our own. We may be tempted to expect that another human being will be able to provide us with the security and stability we long for. Placing this type of expectation upon any individual is unfair because we are asking another to provide only what God can. When we turn to God, especially when our lives have been rerouted, we are reconnected with the one who has rerouted us. We're able to hear his voice and perhaps even why our life has been rerouted. 
being preoccupied with understanding life's rerouting makes it difficult for our hearts to know where to go. When we become too preoccupied with where we are now, or compare where we are with where we thought we would be, we have then placed our emphasis on the wrong where, and we can lose sight of who is with us. Some say life is a journey rather than a destination. Actually, life is more like a pilgrimage. For a pilgrimage implies God is not only the destination, but the one accompanying us on our journey. No matter where you are in this stage of life, and no matter where you are at this stage of Advent, the question for you today, where are you going with your heart? Amen. And our scripture is from Joel chapter 2. Amanda? Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and tear your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in mercy, and repents of evil. Who knows whether he will not turn and repent and leave a blessing behind him, a cereal offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people. Sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priest, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is your God? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Pretty strong image here with uh, rerouting. Yeah. Tell I me mean, about rerouting. Have you guys ever been rerouted? Oh, yeah. By Siri. <laughs> By Siri. Or Google Maps, right? <laughs> and I think we get frustrated when that happens, when it's like, um, you know, we, we have an expectation of the amount of time it's going to take us to get to a place. My family lives three hours away from here and, and up in Hillsdale, Michigan. It's just over the border of that uh, state up north. And <laughs> there's two ways we can get there that take i mean they're within five minutes of each other right one way or the other and you can either go up and take the turnpike and that's pretty straightforward but then you have to pay money or you take the back roads and so i always take the back roads but it's really easy to get lost on the mm -hmm. back roads and so if you miss your turn it's like um if you have your voice on your maps it's like um getting new route now <laughs> or or make a u-turn at your earliest convenience or yeah. whatever and it can be a little frustrating sometimes I like that you brought that imagery to the table, actually, Cam, because I didn't even think of this as a part of my reflection. But just the other day, as I was driving, I was in a part of town I didn't really know. And so I was very reliant on my GPS mm -hmm. at that moment. And it wasn't calibrating. Like, it just couldn't figure out where I was. <laughs> oh, and no. I was already in the midst of driving. And I knew I had to get on the freeway, but I wasn't sure which entrance. And I was just like, I just, I have to just keep going because I can't stop. Um 
and I just kind of had to let it figure it itself out. But there was this moment of like, I have no idea where I'm going and I just have to like drive by like faith, quote unquote, right now. The worst is when, you know, how it gives you how long it is to get to your destination. So say, you know, 60 minutes. And then you guys probably have never done this where you think you know better than the GPS. <laughs> yep. And you just make that one turn and maybe another turn and it's no longer 60 minutes. <laughs> 20 more minutes. <laughs> but yeah, now, now it's like 80. Yeah. And well, like, oh no. And, and I think for me, what's even more frustrating is when it goes from like 60 to 62 minutes. I'm like, oh, so my way added two more minutes. <laughs> mm. um, I, I think in connection to, to the reflection and really just looking at Joseph's heart too, um, that, that trust to know Father Mark today is talking about where to go with his heart right so so he's been rerouted more than once frankly and and being able to turn back to the lord in his like spiritual gps as it were recognizing that and i really liked what he said about a pilgrimage too that he said life is more like a pilgrimage for a pilgrimage implies god is not only the destination but the one accompanying us on our journey um Man, ain't that like having the best GPS, you know, yeah. that that the ultimate place that you're going is actually already in the car with you. And, it, and it's not a, a thing, but a person. And right. that person's name is God. And actually, so in my own meditation this morning, I went back to yesterday and I found it helpful to meditate on how Father Toops was talking about the Israelites um, while they were in their wandering in the desert. And that that re- rerouting was actually very purposeful from our Lord mm. because he knew he needed to get Egypt out of their hearts before they entered the promised land. And, and then I was struck by meditating on Joseph, how when he, I'm assuming that when Mary came to him and said, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant and he, I'm assuming he went away and prayed. And then the next thing we hear is he had decided to send her away quietly and I, today it just struck me. I was like, wow, he didn't directly hear during that prayer time what he was supposed to do. He had to wait until later after he kind of just made this decision. And then and then he received the dream of what to do, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just, it struck me because it made me think, how often in my own prayers, you know, do I turn to the Lord for an answer and yet feel like he doesn't answer me? But maybe it's in that struggle and the need to, to kind of figure it out and then continue to wait on him until he tells me. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. To just be comfortable in the rerouting and trusting that in the midst of this struggle, he's maybe purifying my, my heart in a way to get me to where he wants me to be. With that yesterday's analogy, getting, getting the Egypt out of your heart, right? What, what is my personal Egypt that I was held captive to that I still think in that mindset, even though the Lord set me free from it, because it's easy to be like an Israelite and say, well, the bread was better in Egypt and, <laughs> and we ate three square meals a day. Right. right. Um, the Lord has to put us in a place. I, I've, I have a friend, Aaron Richards up at Damascus. He's one of the executive directors there where he talks about, it's kind of like the way photography used to work. It's the photo has to develop in a dark room 
right? Mm. So sometimes the Lord has to put you in a dark room in order to develop. And that feels uncomfortable because it's it's a limiting space. There's not a lot of light. There's not a lot of space. There's not a lot of, you know, things like that. And, and you just have to wait there. Mm. And you just have to. <laughs> and And that's the process of, like, you know, getting the Egypt out of us. Yeah, that's beautiful imagery. Well, and you have to trust the process also, mm-hmm. right? I mean, right? I mean, filmmaking is a process, so it's just not enough to go into the dark room. Yeah, you you have to take the steps mm-hmm. that are required to turn a negative into a photo. Sit in the uncomfortable chemicals, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, actually, part of the <laughs> part of the scripture today, what really struck me is just the very first part. Yet even now, says the Lord turn to me with all your heart and that even now kind of reminded me of that Egypt moment or that struggling through the desert moment of like even now even if you feel like there's you have no idea where you're going or what is happening even now return to him with your whole heart Mm. and I mean that's what Father Toop goes in today right that what Mary and Joseph really show us is in the midst of maybe uncertainty they know where to take their heart Amen. Father, I long to trust you with every aspect of my life. Help me to find you deep within. Teach me to trust you with wherever you want me to go. Jason Mays, the communications director for the Diocese of Columbus, will be with us next. Stay with us. Heavenly Father, today I pray for our suffering nation, that you would raise up godly leaders with hearts and minds open to your truth. I pray for our government leaders, our military, and our first responders. I beg that in your mercy you would replace division with unity, hatred with love, evil with purity, chaos with peace. Most of all, I pray that the knowledge of your goodness and sovereignty will spread across this nation, setting hearts afire. But I also humbly recognize that I play an important part of that process in the way I treat every person you send my way. Therefore, Lord, open my eyes and heart and let me not be blinded by my own understanding. When I am tempted to take an us-against-them viewpoint, help me rather to see each person as a precious son or daughter of God. And then, Lord, give me the grace to love that person as you do. You have created me for such a time as this, Lord, and I am ready to do your will. Amen. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of self-control is seen in Blessed Charles de Foucault. He lived self-control heroically by allowing the grace of Christ to transform him after an undisciplined and licentious life as a French officer. After experiencing a deep conversion, he worked to attain joyful mastery over his passions. He eventually became a priest and went to the Sahara Desert to pursue a solitary life of prayer. Let us ask Blessed Charles de Foucault to pray for us, that we may grow in self-control. 
educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. I'm Lori Kroc, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. When someone attempts a maximum effort in the gym, we consider the risk versus the reward. Is it safe? Has the athlete adequately prepared? We may also consider risk versus reward in the Christian life. At times, we might feel called to take a risk for God. And as we are told in Matthew chapter 5, your reward will be great in heaven. Is God asking us to do something that is out of our comfort zone? Is it consistent with our vocational call? Have we prayed and discerned? Sometimes we are called to take a risk to serve God's kingdom. From Matthew chapter 16, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let us pray. Father God, embolden us to take risks to do your will and help us to stay focused on the ultimate reward of spending eternity with you. Amen. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and joining us now in the cafe is Jason Mays, the communications director for our fine diocese, the Diocese of Columbus. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Welcome to the cafe. Thank you. So, how long have you been with the diocese now? About a year and a half. Okay. You remember the last time I was here? It was like my first week. Well, the last time you were here was you were walking through the halls. Oh, okay. Okay. That's right. You kind of... That's right. right. Hey, you're here. Why don't you go on air? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. I walked in the door with the the media passes for the installation mass for Bishop. Yeah. And you looked at me and brought me in. I'm shaking hands with you, with with, uh, Emily Jaminette. Uh And all of a sudden, I'm in front of a mic. And you can't see... Right, with radio, but mm-hmm. I'm sweating bullets. And I, I, have, I don't even remember what I said. It was brilliant. I bet. Yeah. So you weren't expecting that when you walked no. in? <laughs> no, I thought I was going to shake hands. I think that was uh, leading into the men's and women's conferences. That's why we were live. So we were doing a, a registration drive. I don't know. So. I don't remember. I, I don't remember any of it. I just remember I was really nervous. And you were like, sit down. Yeah, sit down. Thanks. You're not sweating this morning. No. No. Because I had a little bit more heads up, <laughs> ten seconds, and now talk. Now you're on. Um, originally from the Columbus area, yep. right? Yep, grew up in Reynoldsburg. Uh huh. Um, yeah, family uh, mostly from the east side. Um, transplanted from Virginia years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was your faith growing up? So my family has always been very involved in the faith. Um, my mother and father very devoted to their faith. Now I'm. I'm the first Catholic in my family. Okay. Um, our family is the first, you know, now my wife's family is, is all Catholic. Um, as far as on my side, I was the first one. Uh, everyone else was free will Baptist, um, non-denominational kind of background, but um, very devout with their faith and um, practiced it at home. Uh, had an excellent, excellent, you know, upbringing in the scriptures and, and, and knowledge of, of the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and stayed with it all the way through teens and young adult. and Yeah, like everybody else does. I just stayed with it. I was so faithful. Yeah, well done. <laughs> I was not. Uh, there, were, there were lots of times where, um, you know, I think I was searching. I think I was looking sure. around and trying to figure out, you know, I, I had grown up and, and growing up was great with that faith and, and my parents really taught me well. But I, I think everybody has to go through that point where they they have to make a decision for themselves. Yeah, yeah and, and, and make it your own. 
can't be your, your yeah, parents. So throughout those years, you know, kind of a back and forth. I think I was I was searching, um, and you know, my wife and I joke because she was raised she was raised Catholic, and I was raised Protestant, um, and then she had, at some point uh, had kind of had kind of moved more toward the Protestant Protestant realm, and and so when we got together. Uh, we were doing a lot of you know, like the vineyard churches and, and things like that, which are excellent churches, mm -hmm. um, which ironically enough played a huge part in my conversion to Catholicism. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, we, so we got married. We were going to we were going to vineyard up on Cooper Road um, with Pastor Rich Nathan, which is widely known around this area. Yeah, excellent, excellent pastor. Um, and so he was he was teaching. Uh, one day, and he he mentioned Pope John Paul II, and uh, one of his books, the, the role of the Christian family in the modern world. And so I thought, I'll pick that up. So I picked it up and started reading it. And I'd always kind of, I'd always been taught as I was growing up that there was this huge chasm between what Protestants believe and what Catholics believe. And as I read this book, that chasm got very small hmm. i mean one thing right after the other was wait a minute catholics aren't as crazy as i thought they were because i believe that i believe that i believe um and so this this chasm got smaller and smaller and i was terrified and i think scott Hahn talks about that in one of his books about i think it's rome sweet rome sweet home where he talks mm -hmm. yeah or, uh, where he talks about being afraid mm -hmm. as he was learning more about catholicism uh that was kind of what I did too. The more I learned, the more I, I was excited and also terrified at the same time. Throughout that, that what, what was most terrifying? What what aspect of Catholicism? I think just the fact that it, my world was kind of disrupted. Mm -hmm. You know, it was kind of disrupted that that these things that I had um, that I had kind of grown up with were changing. And that foundation that I, some of those things were changing and there was a much bigger world out there that I had no idea even existed. Um, so I started actually going to mass. And so we were, um, we were attending two different churches at the time. So we were going to Linworth Bible church up on Linworth road, which mm -hmm. is another excellent, excellent church. Uh, pastor Chris Martin up there is a really, really great guy. Um, so we were going there, but then I was going to mass. So I would take a couple of the kids and I would go to mass uh, on Saturday night over at St. Mary because they had the four o'clock. So I could still hit that four o'clock and then, I, and then um, we would go to church over at Linworth. Out of curiosity or testing the waters at that point? I was fascinated. Mm. It was beautiful. It, it was just, there was so much depth. Um, and the thing that struck me was there's a reason for everything. Mm. Nothing's done just because, well, let's do it today. Let's do it like this today. Let's do, everything's done for a reason. And that really appealed to me. Um, I also just, the, the foundation and the, the anchor of the Catholic church really appealed to me. It wasn't, you know, somebody wakes up today and they think this mm -hmm. and they teach this in their church or they wake up tomorrow and they teach this other thing in their church and, and, and doctrine changes with the, the fad of the times and whatever's in the news and whatever kind of social 
you know, stream is flowing. It wasn't like that. It was the same. And people fought for it to be the same. <laughs> yeah. That was appealing to me. You know, it, it was, it was sure. Um, so over time, I, um, I got into RCIA, which is now OCIA, um, OCIA, uh, and I got into RCIA and loved it. Just learned about the faith, learned about the faith. And um, at some point during this, this journey, I, things kind of got disrupted a little bit, and I wasn't going to be able to come to the church when I wanted to. And my wife, who at the time, you know, was not a practicing Catholic and, um, you know, said, you know, I was really bummed about wanting to come into the church and I couldn't at that point. And she said, you know, the Catholic church has been around for 2000 years. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Said the, the Protestant. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which was so amazing. It was, it was so, it was so wise. And that really, you know, that, that took me down a notch. And, and then over time, um, you know, I, I came into the church and it was beautiful and the kids mm -hmm. all were baptized and, um, father, Tim Hayes yeah. uh, took very good care of us and got us. So St. Timothy the then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I started out in St. Timothy. We're at St. Andrews now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah. And so that was kind of the journey, that direction, um, you know, toward the Catholic church. But I always had, um, I always had a thirst and a desire for what I didn't even know was out there. Like I had a thirst for the church. I had a, a, I actually had a real desire for the rosary, which I love the rosary. I pray the rosary every day, which, you know, at first felt kind of odd, but, uh, you know, I had a thirst for those things, even into my childhood that I didn't even, I didn't know what they were. Hmm. Um, what, was, what form did that thirst take this uncertainty, but yet you found fulfillment in the rosary or. Well, so the thirst kind of took, took hold in a way that, um, actually Lauren, my wife and I were talking about this the other day. I got in a car accident one time, uh, before I converted because I, I don't know. I just, I had, the, I always had this cross that hung from my, uh, from my rear view mirror. And at one point I was, you know, kind of edging up, getting ready to turn right at a light or something. And I was like edging up and I just looked up at the cross and I, I grabbed it and I went to kiss it. And as soon as I went to kiss it right before it hit my lips, I felt my bumper hit their rear <laughs> bumper oh, of the car no. in front of me. So I rear ended the car, but, uh, you know, but that there was a desire there for something tangible, something like something more. Yeah. And that was, that was way before I, I converted. Um, but yeah, the rosary is, is a big part of my life. And I had no idea even at that time, um, that that was that was going to be a thing images that that we had around the house when i was a kid now i know what some of those images are and um really speak to me it was like our mother was guiding the path and, and mm -hmm. that was it was uh it's it's neat to look back you know marvel and star wars and all that they've got nothing on on prequels and uh, like when you look back <laughs> at your faith life and you see where god's brought you that's that's pretty amazing Jason Mays, the communications director for the diocese, is with us here in the cafe. Seven children. Mm -hmm. um, all of them come into the church with you? Yes. Uh, wow. What was their process like? Um, I mean, what was the age range that they... Uh... Um, so there's about a... Uh, sorry. My wife's rolling her eyes. 
Uh, <laughs> so the oldest, is, the oldest is 23, the youngest is nine. Okay. That's just a good spread. Got yeah. a lot of teenagers in the house right now. <laughs> did How did they receive? Um, well, not all of them would have gone through our CIA, obviously. Correct. So. Yeah, it was really interesting. So, Father Tim, we did this on uh, we did this on Thanksgiving Eve in 2016. We had our, a special mass for us, which was awesome. And uh, and Father Tim, you know, for each of their parts for their age, um, you know, gave them the appropriate sacrament. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was a beautiful night. So that's our Thanksgiving Eve every year. Is remembering that, remembering all you know, coming into the church that night. Nice. Uh, and then. Talk, let's talk about your professional career mm-hmm. um, in media, right? Have you? How long have you worked in media? So I started in TV when I was like 15 at a, a mega church here locally. And um, the volunteer coordinator walked out into the crowd and said, hey, does somebody want to carry this camera cable? And I said, sure, why not? So I did it and fell in love with television immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, loved the behind the scenes, loved all the things that go into it. Um, eventually started shooting video, editing, and all of that. Uh, a few years down the road, fast forward a little bit, a few years down the road, I, I went into news. And news was a, at that time, was a really good pace for me um, because it was always something different every single day. So I was shooting, you know, going out with reporters and shooting uh, stories and different things like that. It was, a, it was pretty neat. So things that other people would have to pay to get into, you know, I'm, I would get to go for free and go stand behind the sidelines. And I know some people are going to not like what I'm about to say. You're going to get controversial, controversial on us? Okay. I, could, I don't really care much about the Buckeyes. <gasps> I know. Wow, hard stop. We'll be in, right back in a few minutes. With a, yeah. In fact, all of my siblings... Uh, all of my siblings are huge Ohio State fans. And so just despite them, I have rooted for Michigan for years. Just just to spite them. But I would get Whoa. to go to OSU games all the time for free and got paid to do it. Uh, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. There were a lot of guys. So what I was when I was traveling with um, traveling with the team was when, you know, like Teddy Gann, Troy Smith, those guys, Bobby mm-hmm. Lancaster, mm-hmm. Um, AJ Hawk, all them when they were all playing. And um, Teddy Gann is probably one of the most respectful people I've ever met in my entire life. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So for a Buckeye, I guess <laughs> if you like that kind of thing, uh, yeah, so it was really neat. I got to meet Tony Hawk one time, which was really cool for me. That's like one of my, that's my sports hero. So, uh, it was, it was a good career. And, um, so I actually, that's where I met my wife was at channel four because okay. her dad is, her dad was the meteorologist and we had gone out and done a couple stories together um Gnaw? and yeah. so we were we had gone out and done a couple stories together and i walked through his office and saw a picture of her and i said oh she's pretty and he said Do you want to call her what dad says that yeah to... wow i would never say what well, did you know that he was the dad <laughs> yes yes yeah okay yeah so uh, he must yeah, have you have some guts were, yeah he must have thought you're a good guy that's good yeah <laughs> uh so so lauren and i met there and uh-huh. And, um, and that was so that's to me that's the best memory is of all those things but yeah so it was there for it was there for 20 plus years and um it was good you know it was good it was a good good job and got to meet a lot of people met a lot of people around um 
you know, around the city. Toward the end of that time uh, was when, when I converted. It was when I went to my news director and I said, listen, there is a market here that we're not talking to. There's a large market of, of Catholics that we're not doing any stories. Um, we're not reaching out. We're doing nothing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, are, these are people that we should be talking to. So I started, you know, working on a relationship with the diocese. Um, you know, we had Bishop Brennan on, which was great. And, you know, he was very open. He was very open with media. And so we had a really good relationship. Um, we forged a really good relationship. Jason May is the communications director for the diocese. Now, you said that there, there was um, a segment that you weren't including in, in, in the news. Are you thinking of the faith? element specifically or the impact that the church has on culture or how it's relevant what i would just say all of it i mean yeah. there was just nothing there was no there was no there were no stories being done mm-hmm. about the catholic community and just just i think the only stories that we ever did was sometimes we would shoot video of um stations of the cross mm. downtown you know because that's interesting video right even to a secular eye is, is yeah. kind of interesting when you see somebody carrying a huge cross down the yeah. street. Do you think it was because, um, I, I, I'm, I don't want to shoot arrows, but is it, they just didn't think the church was relevant or that there are things that are more important? I, well, news, news is, is a very short sighted, very short sighted profession. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what's right now. And the, yeah. The cycle. Yeah. I mean, literally every 10 minutes, there's something new. Um, I think it was just the fact that it, you know, that industry needs a lot of voices. Mm-hmm. And so there just wasn't somebody who was saying, hey, we need to pay attention to this. Yeah. Well, good uh, for you. So that, it, you know, and, and I think media gets a bad rap quite a bit. There, there are a lot of, there are a lot of faithful Catholics right. um, in media. Um, you know, and I think it's just important that, I mean, media or wherever you are, you raise your voice. Mm-hmm. You know? Did um, that lead directly then to your role with the diocese? Uh, I think somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. I got Deacon Berg, uh, Chancellor Chancellor Berg and I had, you know, come to a good place where we had a good relationship and, and communicated often. Um, <laughs> I got a phone call from him. I was on call for the, the station one weekend. And I got a phone call from from Deacon Berg at uh, six fifteen in the morning, and I was like, you know, when you're working in news, you get a call at six fifteen in the morning or, or whatever. Um, you're always like, <gasps> I got a call from Ben Gelber at one twenty six a.m. Hello, Ben. First thing he said was, "There's a tornado on the ground in Hilliard, in uh, not Hilliard, sorry." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, we're not talking it, right no, now it was, either. It was, uh, so it was Highland yeah. County. Yeah. Anyway, so usually when the phone rang at off hours, it was something straight big. to the point. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, Chancellor Berg had called me and, and said, uh, the very first thing he said, I picked up the phone and the very first thing he said was, we have a Bishop. And I think, I mean, it took my heart down about 30 notches. Cause I thought something bad had happened mm-hmm. because he started, he actually started out saying the Vatican has, and I was like, right there, I was like, Oh gosh. And then he said, we have a Bishop, which was awesome. And so that was, the announcement, you know, he was calling me to let me know about Bishop Fernandez and mm-hmm. that we had 
<clears throat> we had a press conference, you know, that morning and all that good stuff. So I think that that did play into, um, and it probably did play into that. Jason Mays, the communications director for the diocese. So you hadn't joined, obviously, the diocese at that point. When when did you come on board? How soon after? Uh, it wasn't much longer after that. Because Bishop Fernandez, my first day was the day Bishop Fernandez was moving in. <laughs> so it, wouldn't, it wasn't much wow. longer after that. Yeah. But that, you know, that relationship had forged over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... It, uh, Deacon Berg was kind of taking me around everywhere and, and we turned a corner and there was Bishop Fernandez, you know, with a whole bunch of stuff in his arms trying to move in. And, you know, and at the same time, so I meet him for the first time and then standing right next to him was Bishop Campbell, who I'd also had never met, listened to on the radio. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, yeah. for a long time, yep. uh, but had never met. So that was my first day. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then day... And then immediately it went into getting ready for the installation. Yeah. Yeah. And thank God uh, we have, you know, there's an excellent, excellent team Mm -hmm. um, at the diocese. And so pretty much everything was already done. Now, what what are your responsibilities as the uh, communications director? Um, So basically our team oversees like all the media. So everything that you see that goes out, whether that's social media, um, print, Mm -hmm. any of that stuff, uh, we take care of all those things. Um, both proactive as well as reactive. Correct. Okay. Yep. Pretty fast paced. Some days. Yeah. Some days. Yeah. It just depends. Yeah. <laughs> and when it's quiet, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and well, Bishop Fernandez has, uh, uh, I think a well-deserved reputation of moving quickly. He is. He's a fast mover. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes we, we have to talk about like, we're doing videos, like, all right, slow down. He's he's like a computer. He, I mean, it's amazing when you ask him something, how fast um, it comes back. And layered, and mm-hmm. that just, you know, I don't say a lot in his presence, just because. <laughs> 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 you know, what's the what's the scripture in Proverbs that says that the uh, what is it about? It? Like if when you speak, you become a fool or whatever. I just, yeah. And remove all doubt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and when you're talking to a guy who knows five languages, you don't. Yeah, he'll do a lot of talking. Well, you've been a real <laughs> gift to the diocese, and thank you for your support of Saint Gabriel and our mission. It really is a uh, uh, a wonderful collaboration. Um, there, there's a um, an urgency to evangelization that that I really appreciate um, with both you personally as, as well as the direction and um, the teachings that uh, Bishop Fernandez has uh, provided us with uh, uh, that urgency and that clarity um, is such a gift uh, to everyone here in the diocese. So there's, you know, and let me back up just a little bit. So there's, when you talk about evangelization and, and so the bishop's two priorities, evangelization and vocations. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, evangelization obviously means a lot to me because, you know, with being a convert, I mean, I, Catholics don't know what they have. Right. They really don't. And the beauty of the church is, I mean, it just draws. It really draws. 
But the thing that also really, it's not just the beauty, because anything can be beautiful, right? The mountains can be beautiful. The sunset can be beautiful. Um, but, but the people also. Mm-hmm. And so during my conversion process, you know, I was going, there was a, a daily mass that I went to at St. Tim's. And, um, you know, obviously I'm not going up for, for communion, which is another story I can tell, but I'm not going up for communion. And at one point, a woman there at St. Tim's, uh, Nancy came up to me after mass and just said, Hey, if you, do you mind if I ask why you don't go forward for communion? And I told her, I'm not Catholic, I'm just kind of seeing what's going on here. This is, re- this is really neat. I want to see what's up. But she just took, you know, two minutes and talk to me and, and the conversation wasn't, you know, theological or, or she didn't try to, to win me over. She just talked to me. Mm-hmm. And that was a real thing for me that somebody there reached out to me. Mm-hmm. I need to do better at that. Mm-hmm. I need to do better at when I'm in mass and I sit in the exact same seat all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like everybody does. Uh, you know, when you're sitting in the exact same seat, I care. Uh, <laughs> when you're sitting in the exact same seat, like reach out to people around you. Mm-hmm. That was that was impactful. Uh, was impactful to me. It really meant a lot to me. And the people that I have come into contact with, you know, Catholicism is beautiful and amazing and has this this depth and richness to it. But so do the people. And if you're not sharing yourself with somebody else, you are depriving the people around you. Like that community and you reaching out and sharing yourself with somebody else, you never know what's going on in the background of somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what's going on. Their life could be falling apart. Just because they look like they got it all together means absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. We, we've spoken about the ministry of presence quite a bit mm-hmm. here in yep. the cafe. Yeah. It, it just being just being in the moment mm-hmm. and, and attentive mm-hmm. to what's going on around you. And, you know, my daughters talk a lot about when they, they go to Vine mm-hmm. um, over at St. Brendan. Hi, Kara. And, <laughs> uh, they love it. They yeah. talk about it all the time. And, and one of the things that they'll, that they talk about is just making sure that they see each young person, yeah. that they talk to each young person. Um, that each of those kids feels like somebody has paid attention to them. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way at mass in the church at the grocery store, whatever. Amen. Amen. Well, you, you introduced, do you want, do you want to introduce Cara Day? Yeah. This sure. is Cara Day. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Youth minister. Hello everyone. At St. Brendan, the navigator. Uh, Cara's here to talk about the trip down to Cranks Creek. Mm-hmm. Are there any maze going to Cranks Creek? I would assume so. Yeah. <laughs> I, they just tell me, you know, I just say, just tell me when I need to be there. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're just, it's just one thing right after the other, and it's great. Yeah. And, uh, it's awesome. Jason Mays, communication director for the Diocese of Columbus. You're welcome to hang out. Until I'm just going to sit here if that's all right. Absolutely. I want to hear what yeah. Absolutely. Well, we wanted to talk about this trip down to Cranks Creek. Yeah. Uh, mission trip with mm-hmm. uh, that St. Brendan's is doing with St. Michael's. Absolutely, yeah. And I know there's a real long relationship between the folks here in Columbus with uh, Cranks Creek, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. There's been for at least, you know, over a decade, maybe a few decades, um, 
people from yeah. the Diocese of Columbus going down to Cranks Creek, Kentucky, and Harlan County. It's one of the poorest counties in America, and we yeah have just get the privilege of going down there and getting to serve and love the people there. So yeah, different youth groups and parishes um, over the course of several years have kind of taken up uh, this trip. But St. Brendan's has been really blessed to be a part of it for a while, and this year St. Michael's is joining us. So yeah, nice. we've got a good good crew going down. What do you do when you get down there? So for us, when we go down for this winter one, uh, it's like a Christmas giveaway, basically. So we go down, you know, I'm bringing a team of about 70, you know, high schoolers, parents, young adults. So we'll all go down to Cranks Creek and then we'll bring with us food and toys and clothes. And so we, you know, kind of provide everything for this big Christmas giveaway um, where essentially, you know, Families will line up on the side of the road the night before in their cars, and they will be so eager to drive through our giveaway where we give them everything they need for Christmas. So um, supplies for a good Christmas meal. We give them a ham, produce, canned goods, um, you know, some other boxed food items. So everything they need for a good meal, as well as uh, toys. We want to make sure all of the kids in that county have toys to open on Christmas. So we'll load their cars full of toys um, and then anything else we might have. Sometimes we have clothes, coats, shoes, different things like that. Um, and so, yeah, we'll just make sure they have everything they need for Christmas. And of course, as they're going through kind of our, our loop, our little line, they'll get prayed with and, you know, share Jesus with them and everything. So, yeah, it's a great thing we get to do this big Christmas giveaway. Outstanding. Do you work with the Missionaries of Charity? Are they in are they they in they are County? in Harley. Yeah. We have seen them in the past. They they are pretty busy. Um but I I've they've been blessed to join us on the trip for a little bit. But there is a, a missionary priest down there who works pretty closely with them and he'll be joining us for the trip saying mass for us, doing adoration for us and mm-hmm. everything. What's the uh the impact uh on the teenagers? Yeah, yeah. I always tell people, you know, as good as it is for uh, us to serve the people of Cranks Creek, it is almost equally, if not more impactful on our kids who we bring down on this mission trip. The the teenagers, it's so good for them, especially, you know, us at St. Brendan's, we've got, you know, kids from Dublin, Hilliard, the suburbs, everything like that. And for them to kind of get out of themselves, out of their normal, what they're used to growing up here, and see people who who are living differently than them, who don't have all of the same material things as them. It it's huge. I remember um, one time. So we do some home visits too, where we'll bring uh, these giveaway items to people's homes if they're not able to come to the giveaway. And I remember one year we were doing a home visit, and we dropped off the big bag of food to uh, this family, this mom and some young kids, and. The mom was sharing with us, you know, this food is the only home-cooked meal my kids are going to have in the last couple months. We've just been eating food from the gas station nearby. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, getting back in the car with my teens after and and them just kind of processing through that, like, wow, I can't imagine my mom not making me dinner at home mm-hmm. and having, you know, a parent who is able to provide food in a home-cooked meal. And so that impact of them seeing that as well as, you know, the people there are still so full of joy and hope and they love the Lord down there. And so it is also impactful for the kids to see, you know, our kids to see, wow, these people, they have, they have nothing compared to me, but they are so full of joy and peace. And that's been really impactful for them as well. And I'm impressed because I, I, I know I, I had actually with my youth group growing up, I grew up in the Methodist tradition and and we did some trips down uh, to Kentucky as well. 
um, over over summer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you only get a week or so over Christmas, and and for these teens to give up that much of their their uh, Christmas break to do this is mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a, a sacrifice, but that's kind of what we tell them. You know, that's what a mission trip is all about. You know, sacrificing some some of your winter break after you know they all just took exams and everything. Like, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna sacrifice my time. I'm gonna sleep on a the floor in a sleeping bag and and sacrifice some comforts to love people who are less fortunate than me. Now, Jason had uh, mentioned also that uh, that his uh, kids come home with stories from the, <laughs> from the vine. Yeah, we love having them at the vine. <laughs> Sometimes you have to tell them to pump the brakes a little bit. It's like we do a vine counter. Like, all right, you said the word vine 732 <laughs> times <laughs> in the last 15 minutes. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Well, what, what, what's the, uh, I, I'm glad you guys are here together. Because um, they're evangelizing you, you and your and your wife. It's inspiring. It's inspiring. By the way, my wife texted me and wanted me to say that she's not, she is not Protestant any longer. She has come home to the church. <laughs> I just got that text. <laughs> uh, a clarification. Right, yeah, just a clarification. good to know. No, it, you know, every time we go and drop them off or, or whatever, it, you know, they're so vibrant yeah. with their faith. And they're like, you want to come to adoration? You want to go to mass? You want to do that? You know, and, and, and we're pretty active as it is, but they're always like, hey, you want to, want to go to adoration with us? And just to see their excitement, to see them reaching out to other kids um, and just like, just like farmers out there, you know, they're out harvesting, they're trying to get these kids in and, and um, yeah, they, they're really excited. And that's such a big part of uh, the vine overall is to bring, right? I mean, to, to go into, into their families, into their schools, wherever they're mm-hmm. living life and, and, and share the gospel. Yeah. With others. Yeah, exactly what you were talking about before, just the ministry of presence by by showing up where the teens are, loving them where they're at, being a part of of their whole lives. You know, I always tell people it's one thing to expect them to come to us on a Sunday night in a church building, but it's another thing if we're actually, you know, out at their sports games, at their band concerts, meeting their parents, hanging out with their friends, things like that. Um, really just being invested in their lives as a whole communicates a lot about how God is invested in their whole lives, not just them on Sundays. How'd this come together with St. Michael's then? Do you typically do these mission trips with another parish? We do. Yeah. We like to get as many people involved as we can. So, you know, I'm always reaching out to people, inviting them into the trip if they want to be a part of it. And uh, Jake Ascension, he's the youth minister at St. Michael's now, and he's a a good friend of mine. So I was reaching out to him, seeing if they'd want to hop on board for this year and they were excited about it. So they've got some, some kids and some parents going as well. Outstanding. Is this uh, Jake's first trip down? Do you know? This is his first trip down. Yeah. So he's excited to see what it's all about, but he's been great at, yeah, getting his people on board and everything. When do you leave? Uh, We leave Thursday morning. So bright and early, 5.45 a.m. Thursday morning, and we'll be there until uh, we'll return home late in the evening on Saturday the 23rd. So just a quick trip, but we pack a lot in in that time. Yeah. How can uh, we and our friends pray for you? 
Absolutely. Yeah, we we definitely need prayers. Uh, safe travels, first of all, you know, for the, the parent chaperones driving and everything, just for safe travels down there. The, the forecast is looking great. No snow or anything. So we should be all clear on that. No squalls. <laughs> no squalls. <laughs> So, yeah, for safe travels and then just for um, the hearts of of our teens and parents Mm -hmm. going down to be open and receptive to what God wants to do in them as well as through them on this trip. But, yeah, the the prayers of all the listeners are really impactful. So we'd appreciate, yeah, any prayers again Thursday through Saturday is when we'll be there. So, yeah, praying that we get to serve, you know, we usually get to serve around 600 to 700 families in the area. So praying that 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 many people come out. It's a little bit of a different year. We haven't uh, done it in the past two years. So getting the word out, letting the people down there know that it's happening again. I'm hoping that, yeah, still a lot of, you know, hundreds of families will still get to be able to be served this way. Amen. How can we pray for the Mays family this Christmas? Well, I need I need a a new bike. Uh, pro- a new bike, <laughs> sure. A new bike. Uh, that that means nothing to our yeah, friends because well, we haven't talked con- about bikes. context. You Something guys, I learned this morning is you have yeah, many bikes. We're a biking family. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I've I've worked with bikes for over a decade. My mm-hmm. wife does bike. You know, she does sales with bikes, and also is a, a mechanic. One of our daughters is a mechanic. One of our sons is a mechanic, and so. You know, bicycles are a huge part of our life. It's a great outlet. Um, there's lots of places to ride here in central Ohio. Amazing places. Also up in Michigan, they're amazing places. Anyway, so when you when you love bikes, you know, you got you can't ever have enough of them, right? And so I think I, think I counted 40-plus this morning in oh, our wow. house. You know, because I've got five. My wife has six or seven. Mm-hmm. So you don't need a bike. Like four or five, so. Well, no, there's always, <laughs> there's always, <laughs> no, 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 Dave, I didn't say that. <laughs> how, how can we pray for the Mays family? Gosh, uh, just for the kids to like continue to develop in their faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think we all have, we've all had our own path. We've all had our own kind of journey to God. And, you know, each of those paths is beautiful and unique and, and just want them to, you know, want them to find that that path, their path to God. Amen. About two minutes left. And for the diocese, how can we lift up uh, the bishop and and the diocese for 2024? So our bishop has a great passion and care for his priests. Mm-hmm. Our priests are amazing men that give their lives, that care about their parishioners, that care uh, you know, very much about this diocese. So I think I think the best way uh, to pray for us is that we serve our pastors well, that we serve these men well as they give their time and serve their prisoners. Amen. Jason Mays, Communications Director for the Diocese of Columbus, Cara Day, the Youth Minister at St. Brendan the Navigator in Hilliard. Thanks for being in the cafe today. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Yeah, tomorrow morning at 8, we'll be joined by Nate Schroeder and Mike Lisi. We'll have a Roundtable on Leadership, Fatherhood, and Catholic Men's Ministry. So thanks for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow at 8. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you tomorrow.